From Odyssey, I'm Lauren Barry, and this is the On Deadline podcast, where we unpack one of the top news stories from our radio newsrooms across the country. On Deadline this week are the most anticipated film releases of the summer, Barbie and Oppenheimer, both out this Friday. And they're set to have starless premieres amidst the ongoing Hollywood guild strikes. On May 2nd, after failing to reach an agreement on contract negotiations, the union that represents writers in Hollywood, the Writers Guild of America, decided to go on strike until their demands are met. The WGA is looking for better working conditions, fair compensation, and protection from artificial intelligence stealing their jobs. As of this week, the WGA has been on strike for more than two months, and last week the union that represents actors in Hollywood, the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, or SAG-AFTRA, decided to join them, basically bringing Hollywood to a standstill. Now, for months, images from Greta Gerwig's Barbie, based on the iconic doll, have been splashed across social media, ever since production shots of stars Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling surfaced. Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, featuring Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, and others, is about the development of the atomic bomb, and it has a much darker feel. The internet has been promoting the idea of moviegoers watching the odd pairing one after the other at the movie theater on release day. It's called Barbenheimer. While both films were able to have press tours, they were cut short due to the strikes that are shaking up Hollywood. Now the actors can't promote the films at events such as red carpets. To discuss the impact of the strikes and what it means for major studio productions like Barbie and Oppenheimer, journalist and the author of Binge Times, Dade Hayes, joined KCBS Radio in San Francisco. How important are these in-person red carpet premiere events for getting people to sit down and watch something? They really make a big difference. I mean, already we've been seeing an impact from the lack of the late night TV shows um, and Saturday Night Live and other things that have gone by the wayside during the Writers Guild strike, which is in its third month. So to have both strikes, first time since 1960, that the writers and actors have both been out at the same time, it just takes things to an exponentially worse level. But they are very meaningful. As old-fashioned as the red carpet sounds, it does really bring people to the theater. But nobody knows how many won't make it, right, because of the strike. I mean, is there some secret projection you think the studios have that they know, hey, this thing went on strike and and they shut down the promotion. We were going to make X and now we're just going to make Y? We haven't necessarily gotten to that point yet. I mean, I think in the near term, you know, media companies don't like to talk about it, but they're going to be saving money. You know, they're not going to have to fly talent all around the world or or do the kind of promotional spending that they usually do or be spending on production. So there's a near-term opportunity to, to save money, but longer term when the pipeline dries up, um, we're going to see a big you know, change. I mean, even just starting when the weather starts to turn and you kind of move from summer to fall, the Toronto Film Festival is right at the start of September. That's a big, big talent event. A lot of films have come out of there and gone all the way to the Oscars, you know, the next February. So it's going to be a very different footing to not have that kind of star-driven fall festival season. Sure is a game of chicken. We checked with Deadline.com yesterday. Um, One of your colleagues uh, said that, well, actually, the stocks are doing pretty well for some of these studios. And so that makes them a little bit more bolden. How are stocks doing with these companies? And do you anticipate them to continue to do well on the stock market? Well, it's an interesting question. I I actually posted a story earlier about one analyst's view uh, on Wall Street that, um, you know, this is (laughs) this is not a good sign. 
Uh, he's basically saying, it, it, you know, it's, it's, he's got a gloomy outlook. But, you know, looking at it today, the broader markets were fairly flat. Um, and even in the entertainment sector, you had, you know, Disney and Comcast and Netflix down slightly a percentage point or two. But they weren't really hit all that hard. Again, there, there's not a near-term panic like everybody's going to start selling the stocks now. The real question is, you know, it's a tug of war. It's, we all know this is a, a, you know, a real um, crossroads in the, in the business. So do the studios prevail and get what they want, or do they have to give ground and in so doing, you know, saddle themselves with more expenses and become even less profitable? So it's just going to depend on where, where things go from here, hard to say. So we've been talking about the lack of promotional work. No more red carpets. They're not going to do interviews. They're not going to be on late night TV. The Emmy Awards were just announced on Wednesday. Those nominated usually go on a publicity circuit to promote themselves and the project that they're involved with. What will the impact of that radio silence and TV silence be? It's going to be profound. I mean, we're in this um, uh, zone of time, as you say, in the Emmy race, where it's very important for promotion to be occurring. Um, SAG put out a list of all the, you know, the things that are not allowed. And it's quite a long list. I was kind of amazed. I mean, even going online and, you know, retweeting a trailer and saying, hey, this is my new movie, or this is my, you know, new TV show, verboten, will not happen. Don't look for people to be doing that. And so it incrementally, you take all these things you know, together. And it just really changes the climate. It's going to just put a really heavy, wet blanket on the whole town, which is kind of extraordinary. I mean, this is, you know, this is show business. It's all about promotion and excitement and getting people motivated to tune in and go, or go to the theater. And, you know, things are feeling very different. It's very disorienting right now. Several notable names in the industry have spoken out in favor of the actor strike, including Oppenheimer star Matt Damon and Barbie star Margot Robbie, as well as others like Jamie Lee Curtis and Tom Cruise, who also had films that premiered this summer. Barbie director Greta Gerwig's partner, writer and director Noah Baumbach, even skipped an early July premiere of the film in solidarity with the WGA. Although writers and actors are on strike, the Directors Guild of America actually ratified a new contract in June with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, the group that other entertainment industry workers are trying to negotiate with. To explore the impact this strike might have on the summer box office, Paul DeGarabedian of the box office tracking company Comscore joined WBBM Radio's Noon Business Hour. It seems like this is going to be a play in three parts, or maybe a movie in three parts. And part number one of the Screen Actors Guild now joining the writers on strike is that the actors in movies that are set to come out soon cannot promote them on talk shows and things like that. Yeah, and that's a huge deal, Rob. I mean, the the fact that, you know, already the Barbie and Oppenheimer, Barbenheimer phenomenon, that was kind of set in place weeks ago. And that's, taken on a life of its own. And there's a lot of content on YouTube and elsewhere with the stars talking about those films. Christopher Nolan obviously was uh, everywhere this weekend on a lot of shows, or at least ones that were pre-taped. That's going to be fine for those movies. The issue is moving forward, the longer this goes on, if stars aren't even, they're not even able to do like panels at Comic-Con. So it really, and especially for the more high profile films, this is a big deal. In a sense, that's good news because the August films, there's six wide releases. Those are towards the tail end of the summer. Collectively, they'll do well. 
but they're not like these massive star-driven movies. It's going to become a bigger problem towards the end of the year when you get to award season and there's, uh, the holiday movie season. All these big movies are going to be released. That's why this needs to be resolved sooner than later, if possible. How many movies are in the pipeline and how many months until that pipeline dries up? Well, I mean, we've got numerous films, both big budget and small. You know, there's going to be at least, geez, there's six wide release movies just in August alone. Till the end of the year, I think everything's okay because normal in terms of that, in terms of the production schedule, because you usually take six months or so to a year from the beginning of a movie to the end, but it depends on the movie. Some movies take much longer, but the long, the more protracted this is, the tougher it gets because these movies don't write themselves. Certainly you need the actors in front of the camera to create uh, or to bring these scripts to life. And if that isn't happening, the pipeline will run out. I think everyone realizes this will have to get resolved because nobody wants that pipeline to run, run out either for big screen movies or television shows, which was a, is a quicker churn of content. It happens even more quickly. So it's no small thing, Rob. And the movie theater industry was slowly recovering from the just complete, you know, halt of production during the pandemic. And it seemed like it was starting to show some signs of life. And uh, this is a very inopportune time for another interruption in production. Exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, we're on kind of on a roll. I mean, there's some films that underperformed a bit, but I think the Barbenheimer weekend that's coming up is going to be massive. I think Barbie is going to be a much bigger than expected opening weekend for that. That's great. But then these headwinds, somewhat unexpected, especially early, early in the year, didn't see this coming. It's just another one of those challenges that hits the entertainment business. And this is a big one. And then very quickly, it just seems like the entertainment business has developed a content everywhere model. You can see it in a theater. You can see it on your smart TV at home. You can watch it on your phone. There is a desire for TV shows and for movies to see them. But the economic model that made them very popular is starting to break down. It's almost like they're a victim of their own technological success. Uh, I couldn't have said it better. You, you just nailed it. There are technologies that exist today that didn't exist when these original protocols or revenue splits or modes of doing business were put into place. And this happens every uh, decade or more when technology finally changes the game and then the financial model has to change to meet that new world of how content is delivered and paid for. While the weight of the actors and writers going on strike might not be felt right now, thanks to the already completed pipeline of content that Daguerrebedian mentioned, this fall we might start to feel it. I know that myself and our producer Joe Heady have reruns of The Nanny queued up. It might also be a good chance to catch up on shows before they disappear altogether from streaming. You see, studios and streaming platforms have been making even recently produced shows vanish in an effort to skirt taxes, that's according to Vulture. While movies take longer to make today and have longer stockpiles, television is a different animal. New content is turned out quickly every year, making it hard for consumers to even keep up. If the strikes continue, the selection of scripted shows will be considerably thinner in the fall. But consumers still have a chance to catch new reality TV, live sports, or unscripted shows that don't require actors or writers. To explain how TV networks are going to adjust to the strike, Matt Rausch of TVInsider.com joined News Talk 830 WCCO's Morning News with Vanita Sakar. 
very serious situation, and this thing could last for some time. Well, yeah, there's really no way to know how this is going to play out because it hasn't happened since 1960 to have both the writers and the actors, which is a much more powerful union, going out on strike. And, you know, everything is now pretty much shut down. Uh, so this is serious business. Uh, so in the fall, you know, I, I don't see how this doesn't impact the fall season. And it already has, in a sense, because several of the networks, ABC and Fox in particular, and CBS has uh, made noise about this as well, that they have a pretty full slate of reality-type programming, game show, and a few things they might have had on the shelf. So there'll be a peppering of, like, you know, Fox's animated comedies will all be new and a few other things here and there. But the shows that you would expect to see come back in the fall probably won't, at least not for the first couple of months, because this is the time of year when they would start getting the rooms back together and start production in July and August. So if that doesn't happen... We don't know really when this all thing, all, all this will play out. And, uh, you know, I also think one thing you might see is that networks that have streaming partners, you might see some of the shows that were streaming exclusives find their way to network television in maybe an edited format, and that would be okay. But then again, you're going to have to pay the people uh, who made it a little bit of extra coin, which is always the sticking point here because it's the way that streaming has changed the way that people are consuming TV. It also changes the way that people who make TV are being paid, and that is what uh, is really uh, one of the sticking points, that plus AI uh, trying to keep artificial intelligence from uh, overtaking human writers and creators and actors and all that. So, yeah, it's a very sticky time. And uh, because we don't really have a, a blueprint for this, we don't really know how long it's going to go and really what the impact is going to be. But uh, it will make it for a different fall. And uh, just a pipe, the pipeline is going to be a little slow getting started. So it, it's not a good time for the industry, for sure. And for people who love their regular television, you might just have to go a little further afield to watch some good stuff. The world of media is constantly changing. And with the emergence of the COVID-19 pandemic, how we watch movies and TV shows has really changed dramatically. With more and more streaming services popping up, the content that writers and actors create has become more available than ever before. But the contracts that they signed didn't account for that, which is another driving component of the ongoing strike. Fran Drescher, a longtime actor and writer known for The Nanny, also the president of SAG-AFTRA, discussed the union's decision to strike last week in a news conference. She cited the threat of AI being used to replicate actors' likenesses, as well as the need for better benefits and pay. Drescher said in the impassioned speech that, quote, If we don't stand tall right now, we're all going to be in trouble. We're going to be in jeopardy of being replaced by machines. When people think of Hollywood actors, they might imagine movie stars and mansions. But the fact is, most of the people on the picket lines right now aren't wealthy and they aren't household names. Drescher even said that the decision to strike was really hard because of this, and she noted that its impact extends beyond red carpet appearances or the shows that we like to watch on streaming. It affects other industries that are connected to TV and film production as well. This show is produced by Joe Heady, Christy Strauser, Myron Kaplan, and Bill Smee. I'm Lauren Barry, and I want to say thanks for listening to On Deadline. Odyssey's deeper look at a top news story just for you. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts to stay informed. Stay informed.